GetX has you covered. You probably know by now that today's episode is of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by GetX, and GetX features a full line of dial-in markers, burnout guard, and paint protection, and most recently has introduced their brand new racetrack-approved hand sanitizer. So for all your dial-in paint protection and now personal germ protection needs, GetX has you covered. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 49. It's the second week of July 2020. And to be fair, the first half of 2020 has been a little bit rough. Uh, But so far, July has been on uh mostly it's best behavior so assuming kanye west was only joking about running for president i think we've got a shot right now of keeping july in check uh hopefully you guys had a great fourth of july and were able to celebrate our freedoms with uh, some of your family and friends you know we're i as you know you think or i think that uh we are extremely lucky to be able to live in a country that allows us to live as free as we do so That is certainly getting a little tougher to come by, but I celebrated some freedom this weekend, and I hope you did as well. Um, Also, how this month has started, I've got significantly less inappropriate requests for Fast Brackets gear this week. So I guess thank you for that. Uh, So for now, let's just keep it to the Fast Bracket Nation t-shirts. Get at me if you need one of those. You can always message me on Facebook for that on the Fast Brackets Podcast Facebook page. You can hit me up on Twitter, or you can email the show at fastbracketsoutlook.com. And I'll respond to any of those avenues, assuming they are worth responding to. Um, But uh, guys, I always say this. I always say, hey, we've got a great show, and I try really hard to make each show worth listening to. But today, I'm, I'm fired up. I am so excited. We've got some great guests for you today. First of all, we've got Mark Jones. He's a Division Four top dragster champ, and uh, real excited to have him on. And we've also got the headmen at the PDRA, Tyler Crossno and Liney Grimm coming on. So uh, super excited to have this crew on today. It's going to be a great, great show. I can't wait to get them on, so let's go to it. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you're listening to the podcast. You know, make your commute to work, clean the shop, work on the old heap, whatever that might be. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get this thing hot. Let's put it in the water box. And, uh, you know, to be fair, um, we, we need a sponsor for this segment um, and maybe a sponsor that is okay with getting pigeonholed into my rants each week it seems like that's how this has gone this year um and i 
don't necessarily love it, but uh, we got to do it. We got to talk about the elephant in the room, the big announcement, or actually the lack of announcement that came out of the biggest name in drag racing this week. The 16-time world funny car champion inconspicuously did not enter a John Force racing machine in the upcoming national event at Indy this week. Surprisingly, in a season that has been nothing but surprises, uh, but most surprisingly because there is literally no travel expense to this hall when your shop is located less than three miles from the racetrack. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means the champ is nervous about the Rona and simply doesn't want to take a chance at endangering himself or others. And that could be. And I don't blame him for that. Everybody's got to do what they all need to do to feel and stay safe. That's okay. I don't know if sponsorship money is tough to come by in the world we live in. I mean, that could be. Certainly, sponsors are changing how they pay, what they pay, because they're being hurt as well. That that could be part of it. No, no worries there. And, but I don't know also if the champ knows something that we don't, and he is making decisions about that old hot rod that are setting him and his team up for a run either later this year or next year. It's hard to tell. Uh, but it's not it's not a good look. Uh, it's not a good look for John Force Racing or for the NHRA to have what is their biggest star sit out. This is really it's it's historically like when Michael Jordan retired just before the season started in 1993. It's tough on everyone, the fans, the NHRA, certainly the crew guys that work at John Force Racing. Listen, I roll past the JFR shop a couple times a week in Brownsburg, and there are still guys there and trucks in the parking lot, but it isn't obvious that there is much action ready to take place. So we cross our fingers and hope that uh, John Force Racing gets out there soon because it's good for all of us. Um, the bigger issue to me seems that negotiating with the states to actually hold events with spectators seems to be almost impossible. I mean, if you listen to the show with any regularity this year, I think my stance is pretty clear. Uh, that being said, no one listens to me, and it is absolutely criminal that they don't because I have the answers. Um, uh, and for instance, Bandemir Speedway, first of all, uh, and my new hero, John Bandemir, just had it out with the state of Colorado over the weekend. And John did what I think every track should do if necessary, which is declare it a protest so everyone can walk around ranting and raving and completely forgetting about the social distancing mandate. Of course, without the mass destruction of property, it does make it hard to call it a protest. So we're rooting for you, John. We're rooting for Bandemir Raceway in general, and all of us. But, uh, you know, we've already seen this action in Seattle. We've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it in Norwalk get canceled. We have severe restrictions on the race here in Indy the next two weeks. And I'm guessing there will be more cancellations or restrictions that are just so just because it's so overbearing that it just doesn't make sense to haul the whole circus out to the track. Um, who would have guessed it, but it turns out that this year ends up being the best year ever to have turtled your car and uh, have it be reconstructed like the $6 million man in the ch chassis shop right now. I mean, just creating a schedule and making arrangements to race this year has been a war for everyone. Who knew? Who knew there was uh, perfect timing to do that? But uh, I will say this. 
it's not all doom and gloom. And I don't know what any of this means this week uh, with the lack of announcement, but it's not doom and gloom. I mean, around the country, cars are being loaded up. Teams absolutely want to race. I mean, the NHRA has full fields in the pro categories this week. The PDRA has absolutely loaded fields in top sportsmen and top dragster at their events. The Midwest Drag Racing Series has full fields in Pro Mod, and I think they're expecting full fields in top alcohol funny car for this weekend. The SFG 1.1 million had an enormous car count, and that was wildly successful. I mean, things are not bad for everyone in racing, but we do need the uncertainty to calm down. Um, and if the uncertainty continues, it will impact more and more of us. Uh, so in the meantime, stay tuned, stay safe, race and support where you can, uh, because, you know, as John Force indicated to us this week, it can all go away in an instant. Okay, let's put this thing in the beams presented by thisisbracketracing.com. On with us now is your 2014 and 2018 NHRA Division Four Top Dragster Champion. He's a multi-time national and divisional event winner. He's your most recent NHRA Division Four event winner at Houston Raceway Park. He's a longtime supporter of the show from New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome to the show, Mark Jones. Mark, how are you today, my man? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Rex? I can't complain. Nobody cares when I do. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. You know, uh, hey, Mark, you've had um, a nice start to this season, and you most recently got a win uh, in Houston, uh, which is not too far from your ho- your home. But uh, let's go back a little bit. Um, tell me about your first race car ever. My first race car was a uh, 69 Chevelle Supersport, kind of a street, mostly street racing a little bit. And I did that a little while and figured before I got in trouble, I better get a get a track car, which we called. And I, I bought a 68 Camaro. And being my girlfriend, then Kelly, we kind of uh, redid it ourselves. It was a car that we bought out of Texas that was caught on fire and burned in the back. And me and her in the backyard kind of did the aluminum on the interior and all that and put it together and had a guy paint it. And we ran that in super street for, you know, a couple of years, but, uh, you know, decided the street was a little too dangerous. Right. Um, but, but the, the street was a good, good setup for you, right? Like you, that's where you met Kelly. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We kind of around, around the street racing scene. When I met her, she had a 69 super sport Camaro. And I had the Chevelle and, you know, we kind of, we dated for six years and for for six years, we, every weekend we were out kind of running around on the streets, uh, chasing, uh, chasing the street racing scene. That's, that's pretty impressive. You kind of know you got the one, right? If she'll go street racing with you every weekend. Absolutely. She, uh, she would be out there freezing cold helping me change transmissions motors and all that when she was you know 19 20 years old you know she's been still do still does it today yeah that's that is impressive uh very impressive and uh does she she still drive anymore or do you let you take all the duties she she doesn't drive uh probably i think in 95 i got my first dragster and uh you know we were wanting to go faster you know for the and i couldn't really afford the 
have a fast door car. I figured the cheapest way and economical way was to buy a dragster. And I did that uh, in 95. And I ran a little super comp, you know, and local bracket racing. And uh, we bought we bought a little 280Z with a small block, and she was racing that. And, uh, okay. She broke a motor one time and kind of got in oil, and she said she was done yeah. after that. You know, it was like 1140 car, you know. Yeah. But, but uh, no, no. she said it's all you, all up to you from now on, huh? Yeah, she's uh, she's the big crew chief and the cheerleader and everything you want to know about it. You know, she does everything for us. It's it's very impressive and and so important, I think, to the success um, that you, especially that you've had um, to have somebody like that in your corner and you know rooting you on and doing the dirty work as well. Absolutely. So you. Let's uh let's go through this a little bit. So you bought your dragster in um when did you say oh five? Nineteen ninety five. Ninety five, okay. And yeah. so that was yeah. that was the end of the door cars for you. You were off and running with the dragsters. Yeah. In fact I drove that little Datsun one time like three or four years later and it scared me. It was so loud. <laughs> I was used to that dragster was nice and quiet and I had to shift it and all that and it kinda I said, I'll stay with the dragsters from now on, you know. <laughs> right. But ninety five and we kinda Really, in about 98, 97, 98 was when IHRA was starting to get kind of close to us with top drags. And, you know, I uh, I put a little B&M, uh, B&M 250 street blower on my car. Yep. And uh, I ran it with a carburetor. And that was kind of the car, you know, ran 740s. And uh, I, all my friends and all ran super comp and quick rod at the time. And I, so I started running top drags and I fell in love with it. Yeah, and that uh, it kind of gets you hooked, right? Because oh, absolutely, a little more, yeah. Like anything you can get out of it is uh, is good for the soul, right? Absolutely. And um, yeah, I ran a. I started with a B and M two fifty, then I went to a six seventy one, eight seventy one, ten seventy one, and now we're at a fourteen seventy one. You know. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your car now that you've uh, had that, all that the success. The car I have now is a 2009 uh, Spitzer, Mike Spitzer, uh, top dragster, you know, double slip joint. They're, they're go fast car. Yep. Uh, the motor is, it's a 540 built by Steve Nicole racing enterprise here locally. He's been doing my motors since I was probably right out of high school, 84, you know? Okay. And uh, he's a very good friend and, does does a good job and i couldn't be where i'm at without him helping me out you know anything i need if it's you know hurt hurt something in the middle of the week head gasket he turns around and gets it done for me you know so he's very helped out uh transmission side is a bruisey transmission converter uh he helped out a lot it's got a my motor has a 1471 cobelco just with your carbon hat uh enderly fuel injection and uh Mickey Thompson tires on the car. They help out. You know, they're one of our supporters, and uh, that's about it, really. Yeah. So you've been running that that blower for a long time, then. Yeah, this blower set up probably five or six years. The fourteen, but you know, as top drivers got faster, you had to keep up. You know. Right. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, every one of them has a little challenge. As you move up, you find out the weak link, and you know you got to keep fixing it. And we pretty much got to, I ain't saying we got it perfect now because it's always a struggle, you know, to try to keep everything. Everybody's so competitive, you better be working on your stuff or you're going to get left behind. Man, that ain't no doubt. 
you are kind of cracking me up just a little bit though when you say that that small block in the Datsun was loud and then you go but my 1471 is is fine right <laughs> right yeah um yeah and that, I think that's the beauty of top dragster especially um you know it, it is that there's so much power with that class that uh it's impressive to stand on the starting line and and for fans and all that stuff it's it's an impressive uh showcase of power that's for sure it is it's awesome i mean people like you know we're bracket racing at 220 miles an hour you know people just you know wonder how you do that but it's just you know the other cars are going that fast too so it don't really it, it's a difference but it really you know slows it down a little bit yeah yeah that yeah. uh well yeah, and NHRA has kind of made that happen, right? And um, right, yeah, they and, brought everything back to six ten. So it really, you know, we struggled. To, I mean, I've been six oh three with it. I've never gone under, but uh, you know, uh, you got to run. We ran Indy last year, and it, I left Bowling Green like a six twenty, and I just moved it two teeth on the blower, and I showed up in Indy and went six oh three on the first run, <laughs> and uh, right. I almost made a mistake, you know. Right. Yeah. That that speeding ticket will penalize you pretty, uh, right. pretty rough. Um, right. well tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. How do you, how do you pay for all this stuff? Oh, it's hard. Uh, I own a lawn and landscape company. It's just me and one helper and Kelly, you know, we work a lot of hours when we're not racing, uh, cutting grass, landscaping. We do a little irrigation, you know, uh, stuff like that and just work a lot. Yeah um landscaping and and you um you had something interesting so your landscaping company is called uh lanyap is that right that's correct lanyap lawn service and landscapes all right so what tell me what that means uh, because that has an interesting connotation i think yeah lanyap is a french word we're down here in new orleans french word for uh you get and always get a little extra kind of like a baker's dozen you get okay. something a little extra in every little job you know and that's okay. what we try to do for our customers i like it okay so yeah. um that that's uh that's a regional word i had never heard of before and i like it and um that's what you do with your racing program as well correct correct yep yeah we use that kind of lanyap racing you know that's kind of what we use it's so extra racing. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. That's good stuff. Um, well, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, how this year uh, you've adjusted. I mean, you, you guys are probably still in working, I'm guessing, because uh, the grass keeps growing. So you got to be deemed essential, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We, had, uh, we haven't really missed a lick. Uh, it's a little different going to convenience stores and all like that, but we try to try to stand clear. But we've been uh, – We've been blessed. I mean, our business has been good, uh, even with the, the landscaping. People are more home, right. and they seem to want their landscapes looking better. So we've been pretty busy this year. You know, the rain's starting to get us now, but uh, this year we've been blessed. Right. Yep. Um, but it has messed with the schedule a little bit, right? Um, so yes, have, correct. Yeah. yeah. It 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 really. And then I'm, I'm dreading, you know, August and September. We're trying to get races in. I mean, we we were lucky. We got in. The Bell Rose, no, no problem race, and we had the Tulsa race we got in. And, you know, so we have three divisionals done this year already. Yep. And uh, our San Antonio race got pushed back till August. So, you know, everything seems to be in August. Kind of wanted to go to Indy, and I entered last night. I'm planning on it, but I'm trying to decide if I want to do Indy, you know, go to San Antonio, which is 10 hours 
west and then turn around, come back, and have to leave for Indy on Wednesday the next week the other way, you know? So, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, the schedule is crazy. It, it ain't easy, that is for sure. And, you know, you, you've come so close. I think it was uh, 18 when you got um, runner-up national points in top dragster. Is that right? Yeah, I finished number two in 2018. We kind of, I was traveling with uh, Craig Bourgeois. He's got a comp car, uh, a nostalgia dragster. And we kind of, kind of worked good together. And he had a shot at the world and, and I had a shot. And we, you know, we got the truck and me and another guy, Jimmy, uh, we drove out to Vegas and I had to win that race. And I could have, I would have passed Paul Nero by one point. It okay. just, I would have had to win the complete race. And uh, I think it was second. I think it was second round. I wound up losing. I broke out by two thousands. But you know, we had to give it a shot. And Craig wound up coming. You know, coming up short there too. But you know, we had to we had to get out there with twenty six hour drive. But we had to give it a shot. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, so I mean, I think it. That's kind of the challenge. I mean, when you say you know you won, uh, not only did you do win races, but you battled the the travel and all the other stuff that you have to put in to make that happen. Correct. Yeah, it's a. Um, so what what does that mean for the schedule for the rest of your year? You've got uh, you said you're going to try to make Indy is. Um, um, yeah, Indy. See, the weekend before, we, I mean, there's three things. I mean, they have Bowling Green, they have San Antonio Divisional, and I'm entered in Atlanta, which was the Gainesville uh, kind of sportsman that they moved to Gainesville and then moved it back to Atlanta. So they're all on the same weekend. So we're really trying to decide the best plan of attack yeah you know, what we can do you know it's hard for me to do three weeks in a row and you know leave you know leave the rig and trying to fly so it's man everything's up in the air we're definitely going to do the double divisional and dallas dallas national you know i'm sure we'll do noble you know yeah but the uh the august or uh, in the august weekend you know is kind of that's the real big question you know yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. Um, well, let me let me ask you this um, before I let you go because I know I'm I'm keeping you from getting some work done today. But but um, you've been an early adopter of Top Dragster. I mean, kind of you know when when it first came out that you were you were there um, doing so doing this a long time. Is there something in your mind that uh, you know we could tweak to make it just a little bit better for our classes? Uh. I, I mean, I love them. I don't really see a whole lot wrong with them. I mean, on, like the Nationals, they allow 36 entries for top drags. And if you go through almost all the Nationals, you're allowed to withdraw on Monday morning, and some people can get in. And it, it always winds up with like 34 cars, and then usually one person has an emergency, and we only wind up with like 32 cars at a national event. Yeah. And I wish NHRA would just move it to maybe 40. And then maybe 36 will show up so we could really, I mean, even Indy, we had that bump at 621, I think it was, and we only had 33 cars there. Right. You know, if it would have been 36 cars or anything like that, I really would like to get, I like a bump, you know, I like to have a fast car. I don't really like the slower car sneaking in at the end, you know, uh, that, and I really think the, uh, the live feeds, you know, like Motomania and DragRacer.tv is really helping us, you know, our friends and family could watch us when we're on the road before we'd have to call everybody on the way home and, yeah, 
and now they, you know, my wife Kelly goes on Facebook and she puts a link to the thing, and I have people texting me. When I won Houston, I probably had thirty texts by the time I got back from Tavarela. Right. People were watching. No, that's that's awesome, and it's a great point. Is that with the online capabilities that uh, that are out there today, it does bring added exposure. And you know, when when you have sponsors that are looking for a little bit of ROI. That's that's one right. way you can get it done. Yeah, it really in the last two or three years, it's really, really helped. You know. Yep. No, I I think that uh, that's a good point, and you know, all of this stuff is about getting a little bit better every time we're out there. You know, uh, to your point, a little bit extra, and I think that yeah. is uh, that that's really really good stuff. A little land yappa. That's right. That's right. That's what we need. I'm I'm putting that in my my vocab from now on. I hope you know I'm stealing that. Um. So uh, you're good with that. <laughs> I like it. When you come down to New Orleans, you'll know how to know. You know what they're talking about. That's right. I like it. Yeah, and I'm going to do that for sure. But uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming on today, guys, girls. That was your 2014 and 2018 NHRA Division Four Top Dragster Champion. Mark Jones. Thank you, Rex. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Um, I should say that, DragRaceLawyer.com. You guys knew that already, though. That's uh, nothing new. Drag Race Lawyer has been a sponsor of the show since day one, and we appreciate Ed Harney and everything he does for us and for you guys, the drag racer, ultimately. But this was a little bit of a slow week over the 4th of July holiday. There were just a couple of big races. One was the SFG $1.1 million race, which we will get to in a little bit. And then the NHRA had a Division One event this weekend at Lebanon Valley Dragway in West Lebanon, New York. So let's start on the top dragster side. There were 32 cars there. That's good. That's a full field. We'd love to see that. And Alan Kenny goes number one. He goes 623-8 for the pole position there. And then takes it wire to wire. So he goes from the number one spot to the winner's circle. Al is 11 625.5 on his 624 dial. And Rick Bell in the final goes James Bond on the tree. He goes 007, 692.7 on his 690 dial. So Al Kenny takes the stripe by eight thou and gets his eighth Wally. So congrats to Alan Kenny for getting the win on the 4th of July out there, um, or the 5th of July, I should say, in uh, Division One land. On the top sportsman side, there were 28 cars, so almost a full field. Bill Janke goes number one in his 2013 Camaro. He goes 655.6. And in the Tommy Tape final round, Nick Maloney wins over Brian Conrad. So Nick has a reaction time advantage and drives a stripe for his third straight Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series top sportsman uh, Wally. Actually, third Wally. Two in top sportsman, one on top dragster side. But that uh, Yanko-themed 69 Camaro is on fire right now, as is Nick Maloney. It's an impressive run. I think it's uh, as impressive as, um, uh, you know, Danny Nelson's was last year during that hot streak. So we'll see if Nick Maloney can keep it rolling out there in Division One. Um 
so that was kind of it. We'll talk a little bit more about the SFG race later, and and we talked about series scheduling. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that um, as the season progresses for each of these series that we follow. But I'll say this: I am excited about this weekend in Indy. So this is the kickoff event in NHRA. Uh, this weekend, July 11th and 12th. It's the first national event since we had our break. There will be top sportsmen. There will be top dragster. There will be super quick competed this weekend. So that's, for those of you, that's essentially super pro with a 450 qualified field or dial-in is the fastest you can go, and it's a qualified field after that. So there's every chance the bump is going to be in the low 450s for that. It'll be great, great racing um, and I think this weekend is a perfect opportunity to showcase our classes. So you know how I feel, um, and you know that I think this should be the lineup at every event. But uh, we'll we'll let NHRA see it for themselves, and hopefully uh, they agree a little bit more moving forward. So also Midwest Drag Racing Series is in Ferris, Texas this weekend. We'll be racing under the lights, so that's good stuff. Uh, so good luck to all of you guys this week competing and uh, this weekend and the upcoming weekend. Next weekend, I will bring you more results from Fast Brackets Nation. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute. And in what is, uh, to most of you who are betting on this, will agree is the easiest call for out of the groove segment in history. We have to go to the bracket racing world and talk about the million dollar man, Steve Cisco. First off, let's say this. A few years ago, if anyone would have thought that any bracket race would pay $1.1 million to the winner, we would have all laughed them out of the track. Uh, but Kyle Riley came to the table with his SFG promotions, JEG sponsored $1.1 million to win race hosted this past weekend in Martin, Michigan, and it brought out the best of the best bracket racers in the country trying to win $1.1 million in a single weekend. So when I tell you that Steve Cisco said, hold my beer and watch this and hoisted happy Gilmore checks totaling $1.2 million this weekend, it seems unbelievable. But that's what Steve Cisco did. And what was historic for a couple of reasons. First of all, he won a $1.1 million bracket race in a wheel standing 630s dialed Nova on Saturday night with the whole bracket racing world watching. It was the highest payout in drag racing history. Certainly it was chopped a little bit the split. I'm sure Anthony Bertozzi wanted his cut for loaning out his Nova, but it still was the highest ever payday for a drag racer in history. So Steve Cisco gets it done in a borrowed door car against the best of the best, making history there. But he wasn't done. Less than 24 hours later, he gets in the winner's circle for a hundred gur in a different car. It was a Gen 3 Camaro dialed 650. So he owned neither car and got it into the winner's circle with both of them in less than a 24-hour period. Um, so I don't know how many times he has driven either car, but to win both of those events back-to-back -back in different cars that you don't own, it's incredible. Uh, and I know this is a trend in bracket racing, huge payouts with hundreds of cars entered in week-long marathons, but it's not supposed to go down like this. 
One man is not supposed to run through the comp that has traveled the country and honed their skills over years to make this happen. It's impossible, right? No, not at all. Not Steve Sisko. And man, I, I know he's been doing it a long time, but it might go down as one of the greatest performances ever in a bracket car over weekend ever. Well, it certainly paid the most. So congrats to Steve Cisco for absolutely breaking everyone's heart this past weekend and taking all of that sweet, sweet cash. $1.2 million, my man. Do not spend it all in one place. Okay, as we hit the mile per hour cone today, we've got two dudes with us. Um, we're going to do something that we've never done before, and we may not ever do again if these guys do not stay on their best behavior. But with us today, from the PDRA, um, the race director, Tyler Crossno, and the technical director, Lonnie Grimm. Tyler, Lonnie, welcome to the show. Rex, we appreciate you having us on. It's always a good time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Glad glad to get the phone call to come back on board. I think we've both done it individually, so now we'll get to see how much trouble we can stir up with both of us on the call. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I should tell our listeners, and we've had some new listeners here lately, so if you have not listened to episode number nine, you should stop right now and go listen to that. You can get all of Tyler's background and, and get caught up. And then, Lonnie, you were on episode number 11, and that was fantastic as well. So uh, the great thing with podcasts, you can stop it, uh, go listen to that, get caught up, and then come right back to the action. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was really good stuff, and I appreciate you guys coming back on um, to talk a little bit about how the season has gone so far. And um, it's it's been a little rough to start the year, has it not? It has. The uh, and and Tyler can chime in. The uh, with it's the target is ever moving in regards to Corona and everything that's been going on. Obviously, we got uh, everything started off in the early in the year, uh, early March with a bang, and uh, was looking great for 2020. And then by, what, second week of March, uh, coming into Gainesville, uh, right after Door Slammer World Nationals down at Orlando, uh, things took a turn, and uh, we all sat back and wait to see what came about. And uh, Tyler can chime in that uh, since that day, uh, we've seen all kinds of avenues and all kinds of information and, and trying to do things the right way, and I'll let Tyler take it from there. Yeah, this has definitely been one of those years where you never know which way the coin's going to flip. And I told somebody the other day, you know, we were all joking about whenever you, oh, heads or tails on the coin. So if you flip the coin in 2020, it's going to stand straight on its ear because <laughs> right. it's not going to go heads or tails. I could promise you that. Um, but it's been one of those years where, uh, like Lonnie said, there was Gainesville weekend um, and everything kind of started flaring up. Um, we at Virginia Motorsports Park, had the loose rocker St. Patrick's Day Classic with a, a big money super pro and, and footbreak event. Okay. And we're we're getting phone calls Friday and Saturday of why are you guys not shutting down? And just from, from random people in the neighborhood or, or around or whatever. But we knew at that point this this thing is either really, really serious or, or somebody is is blowing smoke or, or something. That you know, we, we weren't really engulfed in it because at the same time we're trying to run a four day bracket race. Right. Um, but you go to put on the PDRA hat after that, and it went from 
okay, we're two weeks from our season opener. We're, we're ramping up with competition calls with the racetrack. Um, you know, things are, things are solid and about to move forward. All of a sudden this thing just throws the brakes and says, Whoa, hold up. You're not doing anything. Um, that's been the wildest part is just being able to, to not get frustrated with the fact of, okay, you've got a plan. And then all of a sudden you get another week into this thing. Your plan that you had is shot and gone, build another plan and don't get frustrated when that one gets shot, shot down as well. Um, and, and that's been the hardest part for, for myself and for everybody included. Yeah. The, the wheels absolutely came off in mid-March and then, you know, from there it's been trying to put them back on as we go down the track, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, the biggest thing that, that we've found is, especially on the PDRA side is really just taking it one step at a time. Um, a lot of people are, are trying to shoot for, for far away goals or, or making lofty decisions on events that are months and months down the road. And it, as bad as they'd say, it's all for nothing. Um, I took that approach a couple of times on, on working on events that were down the road that were, you know, that were kind of marquee events in past seasons, but it doesn't matter. Like it, it seems like if you put in the time to do that, you're, you're just wasting your time, but maybe you might come up with a cool plan that works for something else. Or, or can work in a, in a future season because everything these days is changing so often. You're not able to to take a plan two months ago and implement it now because it's just not going to work. It's completely different from what regulations are or what what an area needs or or won't let you let you do. Yeah, no, I I think that's the whole thing is uh, one foot in front of the other this year and you know whatever it takes just to get to that next step and so maybe walk us through a little bit as the listener because i mean most of us just want to load the car and showed up um but uh you know you guys had to do a lot of stuff like you were supposed to be at maryland next week and you pull that back a week and and go to virginia walk walk us through like who you have to talk to and who get, who you have to get approvals with just to say can we have cars on the property can we have spectators who is, who who are you having conversations with that you never would have thought you'd have to talk to before? Um, so basically on my end, the um, in Virginia we started the wrong direction. I, I'll be the first one to say it. We we started this deal and all of a sudden pumped the brakes and said, "Whoa, we're we're barking up the wrong tree." Um, we started going to the governor's office. That that was our initial hit, and then with one one answer one sentence responses as far as can we do this? Can we do that? And all you basically got was no. And thank you for taking the time to draw up a three page deal. That's nice and pretty, but it doesn't do you any good whenever I'm just going to tell you, no, um, we started that way. And then all of a sudden we started reeling back and going to the County level and a County administrator's voice is a lot stronger than a racetrack's voice in the governor's office. Uh So we started working through our County that took us, that got our ball rolling faster with the racetrack, which when the racetrack's open, the series can open. Um, same thing with, with Maryland's deal. They, they've been on, on a good roll of starting to get stuff, um, but they're a little bit behind where we are as far as the state goes. And we hate to have to leave that market. That's an excellent market for us, um, the Bud's Creek, Maryland area. Um, but at the same time, knowing that that event could not happen when we were four to five weeks away, that's hard for a series to just say, you know what, we may not be able to get this, 
but we have to run a championship series. Um, so we made that decision to to bring back the first Virginia race that was eliminated from the schedule when we came out with our COVID update for an instance just like this. Um, this is why we kept the Virginia, the first Virginia race kind of in our back pocket yeah. if a racetrack couldn't go. And um, turns out that was a very good decision on, on the PDRA side. Yeah, and I think even with that, I'm, I'm guessing you expect a, a full house, right? I mean, the racers, I think, are understanding that there's a lot of action and, you know, we just all have to be pretty flexible. I mean, do you expect a, a full house and uh, just like you had earlier in the year? Um, for, for the series side, I think we'll have a very solid car count. Um, the, all, as far as the, the temperatures and the stuff like that, we always see a, a drop a little bit in the, the hot summer months, but coming to Virginia will be a, a step up. Um, everybody likes to come to the, to the racetrack here at VMP. Um, we always have strong car counts here, so that will help us. Um, I'll let Lonnie kind of, kind of go on that stuff. Um, he knows the competition side a little bit harder than I do. Um, with all that, all the numbers and stuff like that. So, Rex, one of the things that we're seeing with the competitors themselves is that uh, when it's we go back to racing family. When you are away from your family, whether it's be your immediate family or what we consider our racing family as a racer, uh, when you're away from those people for a good while, you want to see them. You yeah. miss them. And, uh, and so that's one of the things that we're seeing with, uh, with the downturn, with everybody having to stay home, uh, with all the social distance things going on, is that a, a lot of our competitors, as patented as they may be at home with their immediate family, uh, the, uh, all events, especially the PDRA, it is a family atmosphere, and, and people are missing that and want to come back and see the friends and, and really what we call our racing family. So. It's uh, it, there's a catch twenty two there. Yeah, we're in the summer months, but uh, everybody's kind of been stuck at home. Uh, they're ready to get out. They're ready to smell some smoke. Let go of a trans brake button or a clutch, whichever it may be, and uh, head down the racetrack and then figure out what we're all cooking or potlucking with social distance tonight for dinner. And uh, so that's one of the big things is that we see even more so now where. Uh, a lot of the corona has uh, has had people stay home and uh, be more in tune with with their family at home. Uh, they're also ready to see their race family. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and from where I come from, like I'm working at home all day long, and then when a buddy of mine says, "Hey, can you come over here and help me uh, dig this ditch?" I'm like, "Yep, let's go. Let's let's get out of the house and go uh, hang out and see some normalcy again." So, no, I totally get that. Um, and, but, and so people are coming back. I mean, you guys had, had really nice fields in the top dragster and top sportsman side, uh, so far, but, uh, Lonnie, maybe talk a little bit about some of the tech changes you've had to make. And I think one of the things that, uh, may be here to stay, right. Is the paperless time slips. How's that process gone and, and what type of feedback have you gotten? So 90% of the feedback on uh, paperless time slips has been great. Uh, there's always things to work through with, uh, with, uh, with new things that come about, new applications. Uh, the, uh, we learned pretty quick that uh, with, uh, with paperless time slips and AccuTime, which is another one of the timing systems that's out there at some of the racetracks we go to, 
the the time slip app wanted to round the numbers a little bit. And so you could be three red, but it would tell you were trip zip red. Uh, the, oh. If you went uh, 59 four, it just said you went 59 zero. And so uh, a lot of times as the racer in our trailer trying to put our information in our crew chief pro or a log book, and, and we're winning and losing by thousands. We want that good information. So uh, it was really good on CompuLink. Those have since been those patches and fixes, uh, debugs, if you want to call them, have has since been fixed uh, on the AccuTime side. And so uh, it's been it's it's been very unique. Uh, the most unique part about the time slip app is uh, nobody hides a time slip. All you need is a car number and a class, and you can and you can look that guy's time slip up whether you were beside him or not. And so, uh, so the value of information that comes from from paperless time slips is also good for all of our racers. Um, yeah. For some that can't hide that information anymore, others get to see it. But uh, but yeah, overall, the paperless time slip has been, I think, uh, outstanding uh, extra that has come about as far as applications. Uh, it works great, especially um, for the individual racer to think, well, I'm just getting a time slip, but that time slip person is uh, there's a lot of non-social distance going on between them and the, and every driver that comes past. And so it was a, it was a very, uh, it was a, a, a very high priority spot to figure out how to do differently. And then that has, even moved on to uh, we are just now getting our uh, paperless or online uh, tech cards all in order and getting all the bugs fixed in it, uh, as well as uh, we have an extended technical program. Um, the Some people would call, consider it an annual tech, but we call it extended tech, uh, and it will extendedly tech your car, at least your safety gear. Still doesn't mean you're okay. not going to get spot checks and that kind of stuff, but we have an extended uh, tech deal that is also coming online, and uh, so yeah, so I think I think overall it's the way it's a little bit of the way of the future. It'll let people fill out tech cards and stuff that they catch scratch on and try to hurry through to get to the lanes at the racetrack. This will give them time to do at home. Uh, it'll also make them more aware of their car and the pieces of their car that may be expiring soon that they can get some attention done to. So uh, overall, I think it's a, it's a great program that's come about um, behind and, and because of Corona. Yeah, no, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So um, we, we were necessitated into this stuff, and I think it's um, overall a, a huge positive for, for all of us. And um, I, I would doubt we go back to – to uh, chopping any down any trees and printing papers, do we? No, I don't think so. I I, I really think this is this will be the, the future, and uh, it's really simple. Uh, each racetrack you go to, uh, there's a little sign-in procedure to get on that app for that time slip. Uh, but yeah, very unique um, and going really really well, and overall very highly accepted. Yep. Well, I know both of you guys are have got uh you know wear multiple hats and so you know lonnie you're uh we're up in michigan this last weekend and i know um you know you are staying very busy with the the tech side of it and tyler my goodness um you know you're you're doing three jobs at one time i know on that side but uh from the pdra um 
side of things, um, you guys go to Maple Grove here in a little bit as well. Um, you, you feel good about that one, or do you feel like there's a, there could be a curveball coming that way? Um, that race, um, I, of course, I want to say we're confident about it. Um, we're, we're in talks with, with the crew at Maple Grove probably on a weekly basis now, um, unless I get completely backed up and forget to message them. Um, but we're, we've been in a very good contact with them, um, trying to get stuff worked out as far as what, what are they able to do? What, what are they not able to do? What are restrictions? What, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the racetracks that we, that we do partner with in all of our events, they've been very, very solid in keeping us updated with, okay, North Carolina changed and did this or Pennsylvania changed and did this. And, and I get those emails very, very regularly. Um, that keeps me in the loop with what's going on with other states as well as what's going on at home for me here in Virginia. But the the Maple Grove event is one that we want to get off, um, especially for our series um, after losing the Norwalk event that was coming up in September. Mm-hmm. So that, that August date for us is very important, and, and we want to get that race off as much as Maple Grove does. Um, they, they've expressed – they're very excited for us to come up there. Um, the talks that we had from the very beginning were very positive with that bunch, and, and we're excited to to make that change and do something different. Um, go to a new racetrack, go to, and a national event racetrack at that. Um, that market should be very rich in D1 top sportsmen, top dragster racers, in my opinion, and, and and we bring all of our racers in with that. Um, that could be one of our better sportsman races of the year. Um, going around all the D1 schedules and stuff like that. Yeah, I know you're excited to get there, and uh, that's a good market. And certainly have our fingers crossed for you there because it just uh, – this whole thing is changing so quickly, and it's just hard to say, um, you know, who how this will change and how that will affect us. I mean, if we can have cars there, if we can have spectators there, the whole thing, it's just – um, this whole thing is kind of bizarre, to be honest with you. But uh, we got to keep people safe, and that's uh, that's part of it. I will say this before you before um, I let you guys go today. Um, in my mind, the PDRA has done it right with the elite um, top sportsman and top dragster, and then the 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 next group. Um, it allows the super fast guys to uh, run with each other, and then everybody else. Um, not to say everybody else, but the the next. Um, here then get after it as well and it that seems to have worked is that is that the feedback you're getting from the racers um at the end of each race it is and i'm glad you i'm I'm really glad that you brought that up the one thing that we're seeing this year from from our very first event uh that we were able to have it a lot uh darlington now coming up a vmp uh still planning on uh showing up at maple grove the one thing that we're seeing is we're seeing substantial growth uh, in both the elite, top sportsman, top dragster, and the rest of them. And the rest of them we call top dragster 32 and top sportsman 32. Uh, Based on the car count, will we run 32 or 48 cars in that regular top sportsman, top dragster class? The elite will always be 16. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're seeing phenomenal growth in both of those. We're seeing new faces that have raced other places, stuck with divisionals, nationals, uh, really had their focus there. And, uh, for whatever reason have decided to come check out the PDRA 
and uh, and have really liked what they've seen. Uh, the one thing that I tell somebody is the invitation is always wide open. It's very personal, um, and uh, and I don't think that you'll be disappointed if you'll come give us an opportunity. And we have had a number of those people do that, and uh, we're very blessed. Uh, we're very blessed to be able to say that. And uh, so the future and the excitement of uh, top dragster, top sportsman, is alive and well. I could not agree more, and uh, appreciate you. Uh, you know, echoing that because I, that's what I'm feeling on our, you know, from this side of the, of the, uh, table. And I, th- I think you guys have really crushed it that way. And I, and I appreciate you guys just coming in and talking us through all the things you have to do to make this stuff work. I know it has not been easy. I know, uh, it hasn't been easy on any of us really, but, uh, I know you guys have worked your tails off to, to keep this thing rolling and, uh, be a great event for everybody who shows up. No, it is, and, and Tyler's done a phenomenal job keeping the rest of the staff, uh, owners Judy and Tommy abreast of of the ever-changing, the moving target, uh, what we didn't have to do last week, we have to do this week. And, uh, and so, yeah, so now most governors are stepping in to give the cities, uh, the mayors of those cities, the local health departments uh, a, more control of what is going on in their area. And so if that area is is lesser than a big metropolitan area and uh, things are looking alive and well, then there's a lot less restriction. We always love less restriction. But at the same token, we uh, we're doing what we have to do uh, and uh, the safety of not only our racer, but at the point in time that we can have uh, some fans like we did at Darlington, their safety is priority. Yeah. Well, guys, I know you guys are super busy, so I won't hold you any longer. But uh, thanks so much for coming on. You guys come back whenever um, you want. You guys know you have the green light for that. Appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe out there, and we'll, we'll see you at a track here real soon, huh? Yes, yep. sir. Rex, we want to thank you for, uh, for, letting, us, for letting us come on board on, on this deal. You, you all do a great job of promoting PDRA for us, and um, we look forward to – to continuing to put on a great show and a, and a good program for all the top sportsmen, top dragster racers to come out and, and enjoy their enjoy their vehicles and go after some some big money at the PDRA. Yeah, that's uh no um that that's really good stuff. I appreciate you guys coming on, guys, girls. That was Tyler Crossno and Lonnie Grimm from the PDRA. If you need them. Okay, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane and take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 49. And there it is, right on cue. There it is. There's the wind light and Gloria. Guys, girls, I told you we we're going to have a great week this week, and that's exactly what we did. We had, A, no roadster talk, so that's always good. We talked money some going out, some going in, and we talked to some really good dudes. We talked to Mark Jones, top dragster standout from the NHRA Division Four area, and we talked to Tyler Crossno and Lonnie Grimm from the PDRA. Those guys are both awesome, so uh, appreciate everybody coming on today and listening in. Hey, please like and share the Facebook and Twitter pages. Make some comments if you don't mind. I really would like a little feedback on that to make it better. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Guys, girls, keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
another fine show. I mean, can you believe episode number 49? Um, and we talked about your best friend, John Force. He's a, he's magnanimous. He is, you, you know, and you may be the only guy in Brownsburg, Indiana, that uh, wouldn't give him a right big kiss on the lips, but uh Oh, I, okay. I, I think that he's like the Babe Ruth of, of his sport. I just... Uh, it takes one salesman to know another salesman. Indeed.